Atomic joints activated. Good Thursday morning, Goblin Stompers. I'm just navigating the streets of my neighborhood as all of the insane people who have not yet ingested any coffee or perhaps have had too much attempt to kill me in what I believe may be death race. Oh, craziness. You know, the morning drive. It is a unique thing that we do as a culture, the, uh, the drive to work. And I have to say, it's, uh, it's not really a slog for me. I mean, I don't have highways to contend with. Um, but there's no lack of stupid people. So, there you go. We're going to crack open the iced coffee. It's hot as fuck. It's the middle of summer. We're not drinking regular coffee in the summertime. What sort of insane person wants a hot cup of coffee uh, in a morning that starts out 75 degrees? I don't know that person. I don't want to know that person. I don't want to be that person. It's crazy. No, I actually, I do like hot coffee at the end of a meal, maybe, or if I'm having a little ice cream or something. So, a little hypocritical, I guess. But not in the morning of a summertime day. Gaming. Has there been any gaming? Hell yeah, there was some gaming. Mmm. Oh, that cold broke. Let me just digress a minute. So, uh, I, I like cold brew coffee. I don't know if you do. I don't know if you've tried it. But no doubt by, by this time you've heard about it. It's, uh, it's like, it's juice from the nipple of the gods. It is so good. I mean, if you are a coffee drinker and, you know, you live in some sort of like coffee drinker uh, bubble of only hot coffee or maybe you've dipped your toe in the iced coffee realm but you're not a fan a cold brew is not iced coffee. It is cold, but it is not iced coffee. It is so smooth and so not bitter if it's done correctly. And my first cold brewer was a Takea. Uh, cost about, I think, about $18.99 from Amazon. It is an inexpensive uh, product. It is a good product, and it is a good way to start your journey into cold brew. Uh, it really consists of three pieces. Most cold brewers do consist of three pieces. There's the, the vessel, whatever you're containing the, the coffee in. There's the lid. And there is the filter. The filter is usually some sort of long tube into which you will place your grounds. These grounds must be a medium grind. Almost probably bigger than what you would use for a French press. Uh, but not much. So if you went somewhere and you asked for a French, a French press grind and they know what you're talking about, or you say to them, I'm making cold brew, I need a grind for that, and they know what you're talking about, you'll be fine. A, a normal coffee shop and even a decent Starbucks will have a clue. Many people in Starbucks, though, I have found do not know, and I have to go to the manager to get what I need. And, and even then, sometimes I have to really explain myself, and I have been let down. And how it's ground will affect the ultimate output. But beyond that, I want to get to sort of the interesting part of the story. So I used this Takea uh, unit for probably three years, and the filter really began to get gummed up. And no matter how hard I would scrub, it's a fairly fine mesh piece of, I don't know what it is. It's plastic of some kind, this mesh. And I, I just, I was not getting the kind of strength out of it. It was looking dark, and it needed to be replaced. And I thought, well, that's simple. I'll just go to Amazon 
and I'll buy a replacement filter. How much could it be? A few dollars for five dollars? There's nothing wrong with the vessel. There's nothing wrong with the lid. So I went and I searched and indeed I found the replacement filter for $26.95. This made no sense to me. Uh, when I could buy a whole new unit for $19.99 still to this day. But I thought to myself, well, that's just going to give me, you know, maybe two vessels and I can brew in one and drink from the other. And okay, that's, maybe I should do that. You know, maybe that's what I should do. But uh, I, I decided to go on a bit of a different hunt and I started looking up from some coffee reviewers because, of course, like everything else on the internet, there are people who strictly review coffee and coffee-related items. And what I discovered was that there was indeed a good list of reasonably priced, even better priced, units that people were liking more. The Takeya still made it to most of these lists, so I still sort of recommend that as someone's first, perhaps, unit because it, it screws into the top of the lid. And it's very, it's convenient. It's a convenient way, but it's a plastic vessel. And so, mm, Permula, P-E-R-M-U-L-A. This is what I stumbled across on Prime Day, actually, and it was $15.99. I don't know if it's back up to some other price. I haven't checked. It's got more than three pieces. It's got four pieces. Uh, it's a glass vessel. And... I have to say that I am really enjoying using it. And I also found, uh, and I don't know the name of it, but I, if you're interested, just hit me up here and I will make sure that I put the name of it uh, into the next podcast. But I did stumble across the this coffee that is ground perfectly. It's, uh, again, Amazon. doesn't cost that much more than a standard pound of coffee ground up from Starbucks, which is primarily what I was using. There were a couple of... Um, Starbucks flavors that worked pretty well for me. And again, if you want a deeper dive into my coffee life, I'm happy to make that. Um, I, I am, I don't know, you know, my girl says I'm a coffee snob, but I just happen to enjoy coffee and I like it many different ways. Uh, so I own a number of coffee making devices. I do own a quickie sort of K-cup, get me a cup of coffee now or I might die maker, you know. I, I own that because sometimes you just need a really fast cup of coffee. Simple. And it's, it's not bad. If kept clean and managed and you put purified water in it, which I do, you know, filtered water, uh, which I do, you, you can get a decent cup of coffee out of a K-cup machine. That's not the greatest cup, but it's fine. And if you buy K-cups in bulk, you find a K-cup that you enjoy, you're fine, or you, know, you can even go to these specialty weirdo places where they'll make you a K-cup with your favorite coffee, which is fine. I actually have a fine mesh filters that I use my own coffee in as well. So uh, and these just take minimal cleaning and are inexpensive and can be replaced. I also own a uh, French press. Of course, actually, I have a couple of French presses. Uh, I feel like the French press is probably my favorite cup of coffee on the weekend, I definitely do not have time to deal with a French press through Friday. So I don't. In fact, aside from cold brew, which I you know I make and prep, and the K cup machine, 
I don't use any of my other coffee making methods in the morning. I'm just too, I'm too out of it. I have too many other things to deal with. And I, you know, I need quick. My third and other favorite way to make coffee on, say, a Saturday or Sunday morning, really Sunday morning, it's my time for it, is by Bialetti, um, my little Italian stovetop espresso maker. Mm. And I got to tell you, this thing, I've had it for many, many years. It, it has given back to me again and again and again. You really can't make a bad cup of coffee. You're going to make a strong cup of coffee. So if strong coffee is not your bag, then this will not be for you. It makes an intense cup of coffee. Uh, I, I tend to use sort of a, a medium dark uh, drip ground bean uh, for the Bialetti. And uh, it's, it's several pieces, you know, it's uh, I think three little little tough to clean I mean not impossible not not hard you want to clean it each and every time I mean there's none of these things where you can just drop them in the dishwasher really I think most of the things that I own I have to clean by hand I don't mind it's sort of part of the process uh, but the Bialetti makes it you know, really dark and then I load it up like it's the only coffee where I, I use like sugar I don't like cream my coffee most of the time it depends a very bitter cup I may add a touch of cream anyway this was a far deeper dive into my coffee life but maybe you're interested in my coffee life I don't know I don't know maybe you are maybe you aren't in any event uh, there was some gaming there was some gaming last night um, we have a bunch of new players for the Wednesday night game and it's working out really well uh, I'm, you know we're playing 1e on Fantasy Grounds using the 2E rule set, uh, which is easily backwards compatible for most things. I will not say that Fantasy Grounds, as much as I talk it up, I will not say that it is bug-free. It is not bug-free. I don't think I've ever played a system, you know, a virtual tabletop that is bug-free. Uh, you know, Roll20, which is on, uh, you know, is through your browser, I've, I've definitely, we've had times we've encountered audio problems there. We've had to move audio off the board or you know, there have been some general small issues. Um, it happens. It doesn't matter what virtual tabletop you use. And we ran into a couple bugs, but I think for the most part, it ran pretty smoothly. We had a number of combats, which is great. Normally, you can only get in one combat or so. Uh, and ooh, I'm bouncing things around. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm pulling into... Hold on. Um, i got to do a thing. Okay. So, we had a number of combats. We had, I think... Uh, three total combats in the period of two and a half hours. So combats ran pretty smoothly despite a strange change to my combat tracker, which I was not expecting, nor was the rule set creator expecting as uh, Celestian. I contacted you last night and uh, during gameplay. But everything uh, did go pretty smoothly. It's definitely not ready for prime time, I don't think. there. I, I, I feel like I want it to do things that it can't do and uh, I don't know. It's it's weird. It sort of presents itself as being able to do things that it clearly can't do. But it didn't hamper gameplay that much. And uh, I loved being able to... I don't know. It, it's, it's a good layout. It is a good layout. It's going to take a little getting used to. Um, 
I don't know what my players were seeing. I guess I'll have to log in as a player and figure out. You have to run a couple instances and figure out what's going on with that. Uh, There was some puzzle solving, which was great. You know, and I want to focus on that. Well, first, I'd like to say I don't know who might be listening. Obviously, guys who play uh, with me might be listening to this podcast. Uh, I want you to know that uh, I've had this particular dungeon delve I've used before. Um, I used it in a previous 1E game, and it's a. I think it's a good sort of first serious dungeon delve. Because if you think about it, at this point in the game, we really, we've done a lot of overland. Um, we, we went into a cavern system, but to me, that's not really like the true dungeon, right? The true dungeon is sort of the man-made. You're creeping through, there's doors. That's, that's the real. So I've used it before, and uh, in the, I think I've used it twice before. And I just want to sort of hone in on one part of what happened in this game regarding puzzle solving. There's a set of iron double doors, and, and this will be the last time I will probably use this dungeon, by the way, because I don't give too much away. But, uh, and and the, the puzzle uh, essentially is that the doors will not open without one of potentially three things happening. And I have had players struggle deeply with how to open these doors. And I don't think the puzzle's that hard. Uh, I think that I give enough clues in and around the door itself and, and in the general area. It's not a huge dungeon. So you don't have to go three levels down to find the key that you bring back up that opens the door. That is not how it works. But there is essentially a key method there is uh, a non, and there are two non-key methods, one of which is sort of the always reliable dispel magic. If, you're, if you have a dispel magic spell of, of uh, you know, of a, a manageable potency, you can, of course, make the doors open because magic is what keeps them closed. And I think most of the time when you encounter a door that you cannot open by normal means, by, by finding a lock to pick or whatever, I think it's a safe assumption that magic is what's holding that shit together. And so if you can dispel it, you can then open the door. Knock. You could use a knock spell, uh, certainly, to open a magically sealed door if the knock spell is cast by a caster who's um, at, you know, at least equal level to the guy who put the Dwimmer, got the magic on that on that door in the first place. But the non-key, non-magic method, because I always like to make it, it possible, regardless of who the party has in its composition, class-wise or race-wise, or what items they may or may not have found on their way to the dungeon, etc., etc. This guy's very nice. He's letting me go on Broad Street very unusual time. Um... I want the door to be able to be opened. And I would say five minutes. Five minutes it took this group of guys to open the door. Now, in their defense, I feel I feel like this is a particularly 
smart people that I'm playing with and a, a, a significantly experienced group of people although I could say that about other people who have been through this particular dungeon and been to these doors that they were they were experienced and they were more or less smart people but they, they did the one thing that you need to do to open the door without any magic whatsoever without having found the key still wanting to gain entry and it's you know um, I'm, what am I? Am I proud? I guess. Am I glad? Mm -hmm, definitely. I'm glad that somebody was able to use the non-key, non-magic method in under five minutes to open the door to this particular place. It just makes me feel good. You know? It just makes me feel good that I'm gaming with these guys. And that, and that I built like a magic door that clearly should be able to be open. Like the last few times, I know DM struggle with this. You build sort of a trap or a puzzle or something, and you think to yourself, oh, I have made this not super easy, but I've made it so that people of average intelligence should be able to solve or resolve this issue or this puzzle or whatever. And then you put people in front of it, and they are stymied. They just cannot, they cannot do it. Cannot get it done. Well, I'm unhooking my lava room for a minute. So, I would like to say I'm super pleased about that. I had a really good time. It's the first time we played in a in a heartbeat. We did uh, we, did we play last week? My God, I can't remember. You know, I don't know if it's age or it's the summertime. I don't know what it is, but I'm definitely losing my grip on reality. It absolutely is coming from the pawn shop. I mean, I, you know, I haven't given it. This is, you know, a, a podcast that has been several, several weeks in the in the brewing. Like, they're, they're, it's not that I haven't had things to talk about. It's not even that I hadn't recorded moments where I thought, oh, I'm going to podcast this. But I felt like at the end of it, I didn't have enough interesting content to really put anything together. The game last night was good, so I wanted to mention that. And, of course, anybody who's listening, I wanted to thank them. I would love to uh, have a uh, an interview with the creator of that rule set, by the way, Celestian. I feel like there's a lot of people, or there's some people, at least, like me, who are sort of struggling with wanting to play 1E. The 2E rule set definitely gets you there. Um, you know, there are some hiccups, but no nothing crazy. I mean, it's so... It's so well put together, and you know now with the content, the two E content that's available with the player's handbook and the DMG. Even though a lot of that stuff doesn't translate, and I have to keep PDFs open from one E product, um, as a as a DM, makes it a lot easier to run the game. I, you know, I feel like there's a good conversation to be had there. So uh, I know sometimes he listens to the podcast, but I'll, I'll try to reach out to him another way as well, maybe set something up. It's a fairly easy thing to record a Discord conversation. Um, but if, if he's willing to do it, I'd like to prep some questions because I definitely have a few. But I, I did not feel like I had enough content to really put something together. And even with the pawn shop, which, you know, I can rail on the pawn shop. Not endlessly, but there is a steady stream of nonsense and insanity 
And the summertime, as I mentioned before, it's a crazy time. We've had uh, several heat waves already. We've had two pretty aggressive heat waves. And, and people get upset, you know, when you can't meet their needs or their, their expectations. I think that's true any place, but um, now the socioeconomic strata that I'm dealing with, they, they take it poorly and they don't know how to, um, to manage expectations or they don't know how to, and they also have no ability to, uh, to manage emotion very well. They just, uh, they're like emotionally naked people. I, I sometimes like to refer to them as the people that Mr. Rogers missed. They wanted, uh, he wanted them to be their people, or part of his group of people that, that he could explain to you how to like let your emotions out correctly and how it's okay to feel a certain way but not okay to take it out on other people or whatever. Uh, and I bring up Mr. Rogers because obviously the trailer for the Mr. Rogers movie just hit. I also just finished watching season one of Kidding, which by the way, if you have not watched this Jim Carrey piece, it is it is a stunning piece of work. Um, but you know, so Mr. Rogers is sort of on my mind. Uh, and Mr. Rogers is always sort of in my mind. You know, that's what he wanted to do and that's what he accomplished. He, he you know, he made it so that Mr. Rogers made it so that I could someday, if need be, work in a place like this. And in other places I've worked, but, but particularly in a place like this, it allows me that, to, that no matter how insane a person in front of me is being, or about to be, uh, that I'm able to sense it, because I'm sensitive to it, uh, and it allows me to cope with it and deal with it. Now... It's difficult. I'm not going to say that uh, Mr. Rogers prepped me 100% for working in a pawn shop. He certainly did not do that. But, but he gave me enough of a, of a foundation to be able to handle it. And you need it. You know, sometimes you really do have to channel your inner Mr. Rogers at a time like this. So the heat, two heat waves really affected um, people's behavior. They would come into the store already having just walked through who knows how many miles of thick, hot weather. They are sweating. They are so malodorous. I mean, I don't know how to begin to express what some of the smells are. Uh, But ultimately, what I wanted to talk about today about the pawn shop was something that has come up recently that, that we talk about in the summertime. And we talk about it every summertime. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know how to approach this lately. I don't know if this is just black women. This might be uh, women in urban settings. This might be poor women. I, I don't know. But my, my experience is really, I only have black women as, as my group to deal with because that is primarily like, you know, African-American folks. That's who I deal with a lot. And uh, so they they keep a wads of money. And I think they would not deny this, you know, if, if, if asked. And I don't know if it's cultural, social. I don't, I don't know what this is. They will keep wads of money underneath their breasts. Literally, like lift a breast and put money 
or have a bra and put money like up, tuck it up and under. And I guess they feel like, you know, if if they're walking down the street and their their purse gets snatched or whatever, well, their money is safe, you know. I mean, it would take essentially like a man pulling them into a, a corner and raping them. Of course, a rapist isn't that interested in your money. Uh, so, so they come in and they want to uh, pay for something to get it out or they want to buy something. And they reach in. There's zero, there's no... Uh, there's no filter here. There's no, like, hold on as I turn around so you don't have to see something or what. They just reach in. Sometimes that titty just pops out, like, you know, and from underneath they pull out what we refer to as titty money. It is titty money. It's what it is. It comes out from under the tit. It is, and it's summer, and it's wet. It's sort of moist, and it's, I don't sniff it. But I'm sure it doesn't smell good. It's, now it's on my hand. They're counting it out. Well, it's their sweat and their titty, and they don't care. And they're counting it out, and they're giving me the money, and I'm, like, pinching it with my fingers. And I had to put it in the drawer. But understand, it's not the last time I'm going to touch the titty money because at some point someone's going to come need money, and I go back into the drawer. And now I don't know which is the titty money and which is regular money. Um, I guess I should be thankful that the men that I deal with don't keep, like, money between their balls and their asshole. Um... You know, but we deal with it. Titty money. Every summer, there's titty money. Now, there's titty money in the winter, too. It seems like like less of a problem. It's not as moist and not as wet, not as hot. Um, and for some reason, I do see less of it. I don't know what that's about. Maybe because they have so many layers of clothes on, women feel that they have more places to put the money than underneath it. Because in the summer, they're, you know, they're dressed scantily or, you know, they're not, they're not layered. Um... And they may just have on a T-shirt, a pair of shorts or whatever. And they know if it's in their pockets, some dude might tell them, turn out your pockets or whatever. So, I mean, this is real. This is the real world that I'm living in. You know, you're probably listening to this. You're so far removed from this. This is maybe like a movie thing or a TV thing that you think is made up. And it's not. It's real. People are living this way. Uh, people keep money under their titties and then they hand it to you. Um, I don't. I am not the only place it happens. I am sure they go to pick up lunch and they give the guy at the lunch counter the titty money too. You know. I don't know. It's just one of many things in the summertime you have to contend with. Uh, if I had to say, like, it's my least favorite thing, no, the titty money isn't my least favorite thing. Cause you know, I wash my hands. I wash my hands a lot. I wash my hands um, frequently and a lot and hard <laughs> and with a lot of soap antibacterial soap and uh, it just has to be done you got to clean up the smell in the summer is bad it may be that might be my thing I least care for these people I don't know what their bathing schedule is I don't know what they're doing to smell this way it's bad I mean I don't know what their normal like not off summer schedule bathing schedule is like but uh, in the summer it should be tripled I mean, unless it's zero, in which it should just be three a day. Because they need it. They, they are smelly. Yeah, they're smelly people. Not everybody, mind you. I'm, I, you know, I'm sort of broadly generalizing. A lot of people smell in the summer. And that's, that's it. There's a, of course, there's endless pawn shop things to talk about. I, you know, I spoke to the police a couple times last week. and uh, You know. Nothing out of the ordinary, looking for some stuff. Did I have this? Did I know this? Pretty common.
that's it. What else going on? Not too much. It's, you know, middle of the summer now. It's, t- it's tough. People are, you know, definitely doing things at night with their families and not necessarily wanting to game. And I get that. And that's fine. Um, but I think we have like seven guys now. So, you know, we definitely have enough folks that we can generally get a quorum together. Uh, if if one or two people can't make it, we're still okay. I'm not suggesting that people like bail because I, we will be okay. I would love to see all seven guys on the board. Uh, I think that would bring a lot of flexibility to what I can do. And we had a great time last night. I think we would have just as good a time, if not a better time, if everybody was on the board. So, uh, so that, so there. I hope you're having a good gaming week. Uh, I'm going to be probably pulling together a few more encounters for the dungeon. Uh, I'd like to put in a couple things. The combats went well, but they were, and they were not one-sided. The party took some damage. Um, So I I feel like I have it, have it pretty okay at the moment, but I can see into the future at a couple of places where uh, there might, there might be a need for adjustment. So I'll probably work on that. Um, beyond that, I think uh, we've reached the end. We're probably a little over 20 minutes with these couple of segments here that I've, that I've put together on my ride into work. I have arrived at the job parking lot, and uh, I'm going to crush a bagel before I go in with my cold brew. And that's it. I hope you guys have a great week. Uh, I don't know when there will be another podcast, but I can assure you there's, there's things to talk about if you want to hit me up about coffee, about gaming, or about pawn shop stuff, please leave a voicemail, and uh, I'll either reply to your voicemail, you know, put it into the next podcast, or reply to it, or, um, you know, throw if you have a podcast, throw it back at you that way, or, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll make sure that whatever you want to know about, um, or you have a question about, we can get together on it and, and resolve it. Maybe coffee. Maybe we'll do more like deep coffee delves. I fucking love coffee. Oh, my God. You know, as a child, now I liked coffee ice cream. Because it was my mom's and we weren't supposed to eat it. So I loved it. Oh, my God. Some guy made some coffee gelato the other day. I went and I had some coffee gelato that had Oreos in it. I have to tell you, this might have been like the greatest coffee ice cream concoction that I've ever put in my mouth. All right. I'm going to sign off. That's it, guys. Have a great week. I will talk to you hopefully soon, sooner than later, uh, and take it easy and, uh, and game on.